What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. This week I have Paul Savage and Justin Gardner as we're discussing topicals and wound care. Uh, I am Jeremy Jackson, and I got my assistant, Sophia Amada, and I also might be joined by my principal and associate superintendent for campus development. They may be joining us as part of the conversation as well. Um, but Justin is uh, with Active Skin Repair, so BLDG Active is a skin repair product that we're going to be kind of discussing some of that I learned about at NATA. And then Paul has 17 years as an athletic trainer working with a San Diego-based um, high school setting, 10 years professional indoor soccer, five of indoor football, plus six years extreme sports with X Games skateboarding. Graduated from Cal State Fullerton with a bachelor's in kinesiology and continued uh, on to get his master's at Concordia University. So Justin has 15 years experience in the wound care industry, working with lots of different wound care products. And so again, he's going to be adding his experience and expertise with the, with the wound care um, as well. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash wound care. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash wound care. So you can follow right along there. All right, so let's get started. Um, I just recently I asked on Facebook and the Secondary Schools Athletic Trainer Group um, what some of the some of your wound care tips and tricks are or some of the myths that, that we think need to be busted. And so there was uh, somewhere around like 150 different comments and, you know, some of them obviously repeating because that's how Facebook works. But, uh, Paul, let's start off with you. What are your go-to, what's your go-to product? What's your best tip or trick for wound care? Well, <clears throat> it used to be just wound wash, clean soap and water until I found Active, and uh, that is now my go-to uh, product because it's convenient having my kit and can use it for everything. But I just I'm tired of seeing athletic trainers use hydrogen peroxide and see the bad things. But uh, go to it's really just cleaning the wound, getting it clean, sterile. I mean, there's different products you can use, but the go to is a, a simple wound wash, and then getting a, a cleanser on there like Active or PH Fuel or whatever. I saw some of the people were using all sorts of different products, but whatever your product, your go-to product is. All right. So Justin, <clears throat> why don't you tell us a little bit? He mentioned active and, uh, pH fuel. So t- tell us a little bit about active skin repair and why that's, why you think that's Paul's go-to. Sure. Um, active skin repair is the it actually was born out of the hospital so it is a medical grade um, formulation that was used in different types of outpatient wound care centers surgical centers and um, bldg active got the -the over-the-counter license to bring this to the athletic market and to consumers and the way that it works is it uses the same molecule that your white blood cells produce so the it does three major things. It's going to help um, kill bacteria. It's going to help reduce the inflammatory response and speed up that healing process. Unlike alcohol or peroxide or betadine um, that kills that bacteria, but also kills the healthy cells, um, active skin repair is non-cytotoxic, so it doesn't kill any of the healthy cells. So it helps um, make sure that that, that wounds free of uh, bacteria without damaging any of the healthy cells that it needs to heal. Paul, you mentioned uh, the hydrogen peroxide. 
being an issue. So talk a little bit about that. And then, uh, Justin, we'll come back to where you're talking about the cytotoxic stuff. So, uh, Paul, go ahead. So you still see like people, I mean, it's, it's not the, the history of like parents only know hydrogen peroxide. They put hydrogen peroxide on everything. That's what we know from generations to generations. But it, like Jess was saying, it kills all the good cells. It takes twice as long to heal. It scars worse. It is just bad for the body. And if that's the only product you have and you're in the wilderness, great. Use it to keep the infection. But for what we do in athletics, and it should never be used more than just get blood out of uniforms. Um, it's, I, and it's hard to see because I see kids, like student trainers or trainers just leaving programs. I had an, an intern this last year. We had a fresh wound care, and he's trying to spray peroxide. I'm like, what are you doing? And it's still being taught at the college level, still being taught through pro ATEP programs. And it's just like a myth that we need to kind of like get dead and start moving on with all these new products and showing them there's other alternatives than just the old brown bottle peroxide. Yeah, so I think um, active skin repair does a lot of things to replace this toxic um, product. It also doesn't use synthetic antibiotics. So um, unlike triple antibiotics, it often get used as well. There's no allergic reaction to active skin repair. Um, so you're not going to take that risk of having any type of allergic reaction to a synthetic antibiotic. So not only can you replace the toxic things like alcohol peroxide betadine um, that have cytotoxicity and kill those healthy cells, you can also use something that doesn't have any um, allergic reaction to it. So I think that's important as well. All right, so that's one of the other big questions there. We mentioned the uh, triple antibiotic. So something that new that I learned out of that discussion that I had on Facebook there was the use of triple antibiotics and the role that they may have in um, harming the, the wound and not allowing it to, to heal like it should, but then also in creating more of the, the methicillin-resistant staphylococcus or like the you know, resistant strains of bacteria. So um, why don't you guys tell me a little bit more about how that works? I know the, the practical application of, like when you're talking about like to cover or not to cover or to, to keep damp or not damp, when you use like a triple antibiotic or use something like that, you're keeping it moist, but it's what are you putting into the wound? You're putting stuff into the wound that it can, like you're saying, get a, an allergic reaction, put something into it. So you never know what you're really putting in from those oils and lotions and different things into the wound when you're keeping it wet. So it's hard when you're putting a product in like that. What is it going to do to the wound? Is it really speed, speeding it up? Is it actually hurting the wound? It's, it's tough with all those different products that I saw on the, the, the discussion board. Yep, and I'll add to that as well, Jeremy, is that uh, you, with triple antibiotics, it's actually, they were invented in 1950, so it's a pretty um, old technology. And what I think a lot of healthcare practitioners um, uh, have learned is that they're, it's not usually the best, it, it's become a common one, but not the best method to really deal with skin repair issues, open wounds. So just because of the length and because of the some of the marketing power around um, these triple antibiotics, they, they become go-to products. But if you look at the science around um, the use of them, there, there's a lot of good um, new evidence that suggests moving away from them. 
right so again just, just kind of continue on that same thing why what are some of the evidence saying why are we suggesting to move away from them two big ones um that you touched on um a, a little and i was um talking about at the beginning one is allergic reactions so up to 25 percent of patients have allergic reactions to the antibiotics used in the, the typical triple antibiotics like neosporins. Um, so high allergic reaction, and they can also create antibiotic resistance. Um, and the petroleum-based oftentimes can um, create own issues of spreading bacteria as well. Um, so th those would be the main reasons that, that come to mind. All right. And then uh, I think we kind of mentioned earlier, like, keeping it dry versus, or, or keeping it moist versus allowing it to dry out. Um, let's talk just a little bit about that because, you know, obviously I hear both sides of the story. And then also <clears throat> uh, talk a little bit about culture because, uh, Paul, you're working with soccer, with indoor soccer, right? Yes. And a lot of soccer, soccer populations, especially, you know, down there in San Diego, you're close to Mexico, um, and down over here in Pasadena, we're close to Mexico. So, um, talk some about some of the cultural experience with wound care as well, but let's first address the keeping it moist versus allowing it to dry out. I, I think keeping it moist or like drying out is a, like a preference, depending on the athlete, depending on the situation. I, I normally like to dry them out other than um, for scarring. If it's more of a, uh, some, a female athlete and wants really worried about scarring or anything, I'll, I'll keep it a little bit damper over a period of time but for most of my athletes it's it's drying it out minus using um the initial like we use an active active gel on it and the gel will sit for that first night and really clean the wound while we're sitting that first that first time they're sleeping or whatever that first 24-hour treatment we'll, we'll keep it moist with that but then we'll move on to drying it out as once it scabs up and you'll see it within 24 hours with the active it's it's basically scabbed and done and we're not dealing with it anymore anyways, but it's, it's getting it clean, clean the infection, get it, get it all out first. And then once we have it cleaned after the shower, put a little active gel on it. So we're not putting like a neosporin or no, no, no petroleum jelly or nothing like that. Covering it up with a little bit of gel on it. And by, by morning, it's pretty much cleaned out, ready to go. And you can leave it open. And we only cover it again once they're playing. But most time, about 90% of it's going to be on knees, so we're not really covering it anyway. So it's, it's going to be an open open cut. They're not going to cover it unless it's uh, an elbow or something where they're going to get it on their sheets or something where we have to cover it over, overnight. But the cultural aspect of that is you'll see, like, Hispanic, they don't really – they put whatever they have on. They'll just clean it with some water. Like, they'll wrap whatever on. There is no, like, best – care practice there's no standards it's it's wipe it off and let me go play um so they're really i think maybe behind in that in the culture aspect of it and i think it's also resources what they have available to them they just go out there and they'll take pre-wrap wrap around a few times and say okay i keep playing they're not really picky on what they do they just cover it up and go so it's, it's tough i think we need to kind of give them resources and give them and let them know what best practices are and and try to teach them. And that's one of the nice things when I travel down to those, down in New Mexico to different cities is bringing products with me and teaching their staff and showing them and getting them to use it. And th they're very grateful and they enjoy getting the, the free samples and products and learning how to use these products. And you can see it over the years going back to these cities that it's kind of taking on with those teams. 
All right, so what about yeah. some of the other cultures that you may be dealing with in soccer, you know, because if we're talking about Hispanics, because for you yeah. and I, that's that's a large population, but other people listening may have a different population. Yes. So, like, in two weeks, I'm going to Australia for the U.S. national team indoor. So we're playing Brazil, Argentina, South Africa. So I'll, I've done this once before, so I'll get a chance to see them and talk to them while I'm there and see what they do. But we have players from Brazil, from um, different different parts of the country, um, Europe. But you'll see that um, I haven't dealt with Europe as much as more like the South American, like Brazil. And they just they're, they're pretty much standard water, covered up with whatever they have, an ace bandage or pre wrap or a band aid. But they're not really too concerned about it. They just leave it open, and they they're like, oh, I'm cut, I'm bleeding. It's it is what it is. And you'll see them get infections. You'll see them get um, take twice or three times as long to heal because they're not taking care of it. So that's one of the things when I get these players from internationally is, is teaching them how to take care of it because they I, they might be going home. They might play in our game, and then they might be going back down to TJ for two or three days before I see them again. So making sure that I give them the products they need and, and teaching them how to keep it clean and what they need to do over the next 24, 48 hours. So it's a, it's, it's a teaching method to get those players to know they have to do this before they get an infection because I don't want to come back in 48 hours and be dealing with an infection and having to deal with that for our game the next week. So it's a lot of teaching the international players like what we do, how we do it, throw whatever they can on it and cover it up. So they'll throw peroxide on it, they'll throw water on it, and then they'll just wrap something on it and say, oh, it'll heal by itself. I'm tough. It'll, it'll scab up. It'll, it is what it is. Where we try to keep it from getting infected, and but there's better ways of doing it than just throwing water on it and saying, wrap it up with whatever you have. All right, so Justin, looking at the 15 years experience with wound care and the hospital and hospital products, what have you found is the is the norm there do you, the doctors physicians nurses do they tend to um to mm-hmm. cover it up to close it up to uh wash it out daily what what's the norm there yep i think it it's it very dependent on the type of wound and the patient and the the setting and the the care of that patient whether they're going to be an elderly patient with vascularity issues or whether they're a more active patient who's going to be playing sports. So you find it varies. Um, and with active skin repair, we have both a spray, which is a liquid formulation and a hydrogel, which gives that, that clinician or that, that athlete that option to use whatever they feel is best for that situation. Um, so the hydrogel is going to provide that moisturization typical to what you might find in a petroleum-based topical antibiotic, but without the petroleum. Um, so it uses a medical-grade hydrogel, which is a, is a really nice way to provide moisture, where the, the liquid um, doesn't have that gel base, so it just applies on. You can dry the wound, and depending on the need, either wrap it up or allow it to, to stay free to air. Um, and again, it's, it's highly dependent on the, the specific nature of the the wound and what the skin damage is one to add one more thing to that too jeremy is when you in the hospital side when you see that i think a lot of what we've learned about um wounds and in, in, uh, especially as they've um, become infected or chronic is how important it is to immediately apply an antimicrobial whatever that antimicrobial is whether it's active skin repair or another type of antimicrobial 
as quickly as possible to reduce that chance of infection. And that's a, it's an easy and low cost thing to do to potentially avoid what can be a costly and a long recovery process from uh, a staph infection or any type of other infection. All right, so let's go through that real quick. Um, antimicrobial, like in saying that, can you kind of clarify what that is? Um, so antimicrobial would be the ability to kill a host of different um, bacteria, including complex bacteria like Staph and MRSA. And so to me, if I heard antimicrobial, then I'm thinking Neosporin because that's what I've always known growing up. Right. And so you said it's important to imply that right away. But then we also talked about using Neosporin where up to 25 percent have an allergic reaction and it also increases those MRSA. So what are some other options there? You know, obviously we're talking about active skin repair uh, as a antimicrobial because it has the hypochlorous, hypochloric acid. Uh, we'll cover that in just a little bit. But uh, what are some of the other options for an antimicrobial? Um, Paula, I'll let you yeah. answer that. Like other products I've seen, I've used hippie cleans, hippie cleans in the past. I use pH fuel. I mean, they make each like Kramer Mueller will have their own like nitrogen or you know basically soap in a can so every company has a, a product like this but it's just the effectiveness of that product and um i've like i've gone away from like the normal nitrogen or the spray can stuff to where i went to hippie cleanse which that product worked great then i saw ph fuel that product worked good but um once i've tried active um had haven't reordered any of those other products just because coming in the two forms of the spray and the gel, that spray instantly on it is able to get them. I spray it. I know it's clean. I can work and work, do whatever I need to do to get them back in the game or cover it. And then once they get out of the shower, we use the gel for a 24-hour period. And then I don't have to worry about wound care anymore. We haven't had a problem in the two years that I've known this product's been around. And, and a couple other, too, that you might that would go in there is um... – Silvers often can work as a antimicrobial as well, and so you can get silver-based dressings that work as antimicrobial dressings, and you can actually use that conjunctively with something like an active skin repair. Um, so you can also get antimicrobial dressings uh, again with silver in them that that can help um, re reduce that infection um, chance as well. The it, antimicrobial being anything that you know, if it kills bacteria, so I would also say there's different ways to look at the benefits of each antimicrobial and whether one has cytotoxicity and it, but if it kills bacteria, it's, it's probably better to make sure that you've um, killed the bacteria and reduced the infection, even if that comes as a consequence of killing the cells. Now what's great is there's antimicrobials out there like active and other um, antimicrobials like silver that don't have cytotoxicity to them. So they allow you to, to both address provide an antimicrobial without killing healthy cells. All right, so we're ideally, as healthcare providers, we're looking for an antimicrobial that is not killing cells. So using like active skin repair, skin, skin repair. And tell me again, it's hypochlorous? Hypochlorous acid is the active ingredient. That's okay. correct. So you're looking for hypochlorous acid. Again, active skin repair has that. Um, and one of the issues that, that we were talking about is 
that until just this year or last year or something, just recently, um, that this product was only available in the hospitals because it was not shelf stable for more than, I think, 90 minutes or something like that. And so, you know, a new uh, technology came out to allow this to be shelf stable for about two years. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about that uh, and the, the change in that, Justin. Yep. And there, there's different hypercloruses out, out there available. Um, and it was, it was probably around 10 years ago that the stability has really taken an advancement. And that, that's where hypercloric now is much more widely available is the ability to stabilize the molecule and get it into a, uh, a shelf life with two years. So it's stable up to two years. And what it also allows you to do is um, every lot that we produce, we're able to test it. So we produce the product and then we test it to make sure it kills all the strains of bacteria um, that are necessary to make it that, that antimicrobial um, before it's released. And then we can also test it for that cytotoxicity, make sure that there's no toxicity to it. So it provides a highly stable and effective product that we know is going to work. All right, very good. So I uh, again, we got a basic kind of understanding there of how active skin repair works and it, and the fact that it doesn't kill the good tissue, which is what we're looking for. And then, um, it also promotes the healing in, in the way that the body does. Um, you mentioned silver is a antimicrobial as well. And can, is that work more or less the same way? Um, Okay, they're, they're different modalities and different products, so they're both going to work a little bit differently, but um, silvers do have the ability to, to kill bacteria and, and work as an antimicrobial as well. Um, so you'll find different silver products out there that, that get used quite a bit in the hospital space as well. Um, so we find that oftentimes they get used conjunctively, that you might use a silver-based dressing. So there, there's some really good dressings out there that use silver that help um, again, with that, that bacterial load or bacteria um, reduction in that wound. So you could use something like active to make sure you clean, irrigate that wound, and then put a silver dressing on it that works as an antimicrobial dressing. Okay, so I got a whole list of things here um, from comments and people. So we're going to kind of walk, walk through some of those and just address those either from the wound care side in your expertise uh, Justin or Paul or myself or even Sophia, she's over there typing up notes for us. Um, just expertise in, in wound care or your experience. Um, one of the things that has been like a like a old school mainstay is nitrotan. Do you know about nitrotan, Justin? I'm not familiar with it, no. Paul? Um, when I took over at my the high school 17 years ago, there was a stack of it and we I tried it for the first time. I'd never seen it before. Used it a couple times, but I never really had. It was kind of like we used it, but it, it wasn't doing it for me, and uh, it wasn't my go-to product. I just never really used it after that. I mean, it it it, it isn't a. It, it was effective, but I think there's much better products out there. Yeah. So pretty much every comment with nitrotan was like, I used to love that stuff, but it burned, right? And so yeah. if I think if the product you have is going to prevent people from coming to you for for wound care they're like oh well not every time you put that stuff on me it burns well even if it does work you know when we we're talking about like cramping science and the, the podcast with uh, hydration they're like you can have all the cramping science technology you want but if they don't drink it 
or ingest it, then right. it doesn't do any good at all. So it's kind of the same thing with these with these topicals. We want to find something that works and doesn't hurt. So that's one of the first, thing, go ahead. That's the first thing an athlete or someone's going to say to you when you try to put something on it. Is it going to burn? Is it going to hurt? So every athlete's like, are you putting this on me? Is it going to hurt? Is it going to burn? That's what their automatic response is when you try to put something on them. That's their experience. And to, to add to that, so um, what do you, one of the things that's unique about active skin repair, and because it's non-toxic, is you get no sting to it. In fact, it, it takes a little while to train people that that's okay, that it's still working, that um, the molecule is still doing its job, even though you don't feel that that sting. And it looks like um, nitrotan, when I looked it up real quick, is an alcohol-based product. So it makes sense that you're going to, it's going to kill that bacteria, but it's going to come with that highly cytotoxic sting that, that's also killing those healthy cells as well. And so that's another thing that uh, I, I believe we should all know, but just like Paul was saying that there is still people who using peroxide all the time for everything. Um, Alcohol should never be used on an open wound. It's great for cleaning off a table, cleaning off scissors, um, something like that, or cleaning the skin before you put on some KT tape or whatever it is. Um, but it it only kills living stuff. It, it doesn't have the benefit of peroxide where it kind of bubbles it up, helps clean it out. So if you're still using alcohol to clean wounds, then then you really need to look at why rethink and then find something else that'll work for the wound care and, and the uh, health of your patients. So anything else about alcohol guys? Don't, don't use it except for cleaning. <laughs> like you said, the only way we use alcohol prep pads as far as like you're getting ready for KT tape and, and for that taping method. But I try to hide those bottles of, in my training room. Cause I don't want someone walking in and just grabbing and using it when I'm not there. Cause they might not know. So I, I keep those products, away so they don't get their hands on them so that doesn't happen all right so uh along the same lines we're talking about nitrotan hurting using a, a hurt-free wash so there's the band-aid antiseptic hurt-free wash um it's not supposed to hurt so it's you know you're spraying it it's the antiseptic um you guys ever use that that little blue bottle of band-aid hurt-free antiseptic wash no i haven't i can't say i have I have not as either. Okay. So again, that that's a popular product, and I I didn't look up what was in it. Um, I think most athletic trainers know about it; they've seen it. Um, but again, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what all is in it, or uh, if it's cytotoxic at all. Um, if it, I don't think it's alcohol based because it's supposed to be hurt free and uh, doesn't doesn't cause a stinging in the burning. All right. Um, one of the other things for washing, most people said soap and water or some people said saline wash some people said sterile water so um paul justin address the those three types of washes like the saline the sterile water the tap water the soap and water well i think when i was reading the article like or reading from this in the comments is in our kits or in the training room or in a facility you're going to use more of a wound wash just a sterile saline solution to where it helps you clean it out it can spray it helps you get debris out, can do that. Or just if you don't have a bottle of wound wash, you don't have that with you, then going to the soap and water and doing that. I know some were saying like, oh, careful of tap water. Because, I mean, some tap water could be contaminated or dirty or not the best product, not as clean as you'd like to put into a wound, depending on what area you live in. 
So some tap waters might not be as safe as using a, a sterile water or a wound wash or something sterile. So I think it depends on knowing your area. If you live in an area that does not have good tap water, then you know not to use that. But for the most part, soap and water, a saline, a, a wound wash, anything like that to put on it right away just to get it clean is the first thing. But you're not getting that anti-product in there also. So that's you're missing that, but at least you're getting it clean quickly before you put some kind of product into it. I, I would just echo what, what Paul was saying. I think you... Um... I, I know cost is always an issue, so you can use um, things like hyperchlorous acid or active skin repair as a wound irritant, but it's not going to be the most cost-effective way of doing that. So using sterilized water can often be a great way to make sure that you provide irrigation to that wound, you get it clean um, from debris, and then apply a topical antimicrobial. And I would say one thing to do, and, and a great resource for anybody kind of researching product is to look at the active ingredients to go online and PubMed provides a great resource to go do a little bit of research on what those ingredients are, how they're used and what they're, what they're able to do. And depending on your setting and, and what you're trying to address is, does it kill complex bacteria? Is it going to be able to address some of the issues that, that your, your players or your patients are going to uh, potentially have? And so, um, again, PubMed's a great way to kind of do a little bit of that research as well on those active ingredients. All right, so kind of a, a little bit of a diversion from what we have been is getting the athletes to not put their hand, or say say they got a, a bloody elbow, putting their elbow right up against a water bottle or right up against the, <laughs> the sprayer nozzle. Because I'm like, do you not realize that you're spraying blood everywhere that now that that nozzle or that water bottle we can't use or is going to be disinfected and and again you know we're talking about tap water but like how do we how do we keep them from making the sink all bloody or you know getting the shower all contaminated or whatever it is so i don't know i mean you know we're talking about tap water but sometimes that may not be the best as it is true you, you, you want to make sure it's in a method that's not going to spray and make it a bigger mess because then you got that whole area of the cleanup it looks like you turn a nosebleed into a whole crime scene sometimes, or one open one elbow wound will have you bleed all over the court, and then you're spending 15 minutes cleaning up blood before you can continue the game. So you just got to make sure. Normally, it's just getting them something to cover it, like get a gauze band-aid, even a towel, something quickly, just to, to get the blood from spreading everywhere. And then getting the method and, and getting in a, a method where you can get it clean away from their court or away from each other, or get to a sink area and start cleaning up so it is universal it's not just just my school here my <laughs> kids so no you'll, uh, you'll see the trail of blood coming from a gym court sometimes because they just let it bleed all over the place and you gotta clean the blood trail up <laughs> okay um here on my list i have neosporin we kind of already covered that but one of the comments there was use a polysporin or a baxitracin um and so thoughts on those other topicals that that we commonly use, but we may have used just because somebody else used, like you said about the peroxide. So uh, the other type of topical ointments like polysporin or baxitracin. Uh, you'll see you'll see a lot of people use the neosporin or triple antibiotic ointment. That's what they're used to, accustomed to using. What I know they like that because it can kind of help be a thick layer on, on the wound or something. What we normally do is uh, if we get a wound, we need to cover it up quickly is Vaseline, just a, a sterile Vaseline 
will normally be a good barrier real quick to cover it, and we can keep them playing, especially in, like, the soccer game. So we're playing on a hard turf, so their knees get cut up all the time. So proactively now, we'll even Vaseline their knees up so they don't get cut up as much. But a lot of the guys, if they did do it or it rubbed off or whatever, will have this this open turf burn, and we'll use a Vaseline just to cover it to keep them playing to get them going, and then we'll sterilize it and clean it and do everything after the fact. But it's a good barrier just to get us through the game. So with the Vaseline, does that in any way, I guess, break rules? Because, you know, like with uh, pine tar or whatever on baseballs, that kind of thing, because it seems like if you're, you're going to hit the ball with your knee, but now you have Vaseline on it, does it, does it change anything? Uh, they're not. In, no official is going to notice it's on there. There's no, like, it's... A, set rule saying you can't do that or it's like it's not like a pine tar but it's just a thin layer no one will even recognize it and it'll cover up the, most of the blood so the only reason they're going to kick them off the field is they see the blood coming off of them so if we can get a thin layer of vaseline right over it and it'll kind of keep it covered i've even used it in football especially anytime you have a, a quarterback or if elbows and knees that need to stay active you can't just put a a, a bandage or power flex or something cover up on it We'll just cover it in Vaseline and give it a coating of that and then get going. And I haven't had a ref ever say anything to me about that. But uh, it's been the best method of just covering up quickly, getting them back out on the field, and then dealing with it when we get a chance. All right, so we're going to go to some of the, the Facebook stuff that we were talking about. Uh, Chris Trobaugh was talking about cindercides and nitrotan. Mark Phillips said soap and water, and then he also mentioned the hypochlorous acid. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite comments that I saw on there was definitely there it goes one of my comments I saw on there was definitely the eggshell now so I'm going to read this I'm going to read this um, so that you guys know I'm not just making this up but Molly Quigley said she's used a lining of an eggshell to help seal a wound and it worked pretty well and then she sent me the article so I'll have that link there in the show notes but uh, it says so she had an athlete bite his lip during a basketball warm-up and tried everything to get the bleeding to stop. But after a whole quarter, the ref kept sending him out. So she had to run. She had run out of ideas and remembered reading. It was like in a wilderness magazine about using the lining of an eggshell, specifically the little gross white lining you can see when you crack a raw egg and how it can help to seal a clot wound. So uh, she was desperate and stole an egg from culinary and cleaned it really well and got a tiny piece of lining and put it over the wound uh, and then... So it says we have it about a minute to we gave it about a minute to dry and actually formed an almost dry layer of skin that totally stopped the bleeding and they pulled it off to, after the game and it was fine and could barely see a mark and left it clean. All right, so Paul, in dealing with the wounds, Justin, in dealing with the wounds, what are some of the really unique things that you've seen? That that reading that story, that's probably the best I've ever heard. <laughs> um. I've seen people try to cover with anything they can get their hands on, whatever they have available. But I've never, until that, until reading that story, I've never heard about the egg trick. So that's a, that's a new one to me for sure. Justin, you ever heard that one? I've never heard the egg one, and I, I've been in this space a while, so I've heard a lot of them. You you hear people use super glue a lot, um, and my caution to that one is. It obviously will work. It will seal it, but you have you have a high chance of sealing in bacteria. So whenever you use um, something to seal a wound, it is so important that you created a sterile wound environment that you use something to make sure that, that that's clean. And there's a lot better products out there than 
than super glue. Um, one that we, we've been working with lately and we have a good relationship with a, a company called Zip Stitch. And they've actually created a more modern way to, and they'll sell it on Amazon and it, it's available to the consumers now. Same kind of basis that came out of surgeries is it provides that ability to quickly close a, a wound similar to a stitch without actually having to use needle and thread, but it uses a, a more modern approach. It's not invasive. So is that zip switch, like zipper or dip? Zip, like Z-I-P, stitch. Zip stitch, all right. So I haven't seen yep. that. I'll have to check that out as well. It's, it, that's a great product, actually. I, I have seen that, and I, I demoed it when they were first coming out a couple years ago, and I demoed the product, and I was I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, like kind of gave it the nonchalant act, and then actually practically using it, it was amazing to see how well that product worked. It's, it's basically just like it's like having zip ties and you just put a like a bandage put it on and zip it as, as you cut it as long as you need it to do and it just sealed it right up and it was it was like stereo strips on steroids because it doesn't have yep. to worry about it coming off it, it automatically will seal it and you have a nice tight fit and it was a, it was a really good product so as we we're kind of continuing on uh with that same topic there so what are your thoughts on cleaning out the wound uh with so like active skin repair and then putting the stair strips on is is that one layer of uh the hydrogel from active skin repair enough to clean out the wound or do i need to like wash it a couple times with the spray and then put the uh gel on and then put the stair strips on in, in my practical application i will normally uh on it and i'll spray it pretty vigorously and get in there and maybe use a cotton tip to make sure I kind of cleaned it with it and got everything out of it um, with just the spray. And then normally I try to dry it and get it as dry as possible before I'll put strips on it. Once I think it's it's cleaned and I put it's gotten in there, I won't put any gel on it. If it's a thick, deep cut, I want it as dry as possible before I put strips on. Now, if it's just a superficial like burn or turf burn or something like that, then I'll put the gel on and pack it and let that just heal over the, the 24 hour period. And Jeremy, a lot of times in the, uh, what I've seen in hospital settings is they'll actually um, douse the, it, soak the dressing in hyperchlorous acid as well. So soak the dressing inactive, get it really wet with the, with the active spray and then wrap it around the, the patient as well. So using using that to soak and help clean the wound. But obviously like stereo strips, yeah, we want the area dry. So just recently my son, um, we were riding bikes and he, and he fell and his arm went up and his hit his glasses, his glasses cut his eyelid. And so he's, he's kind of riding home with a bandage or a gauze or whatever it is, a washcloth over his eye. So I get him home and I uh, use the, the active stuff and put it on the cut and then dry it off around the outside, use the glue and then the stereo strips. And so it's healed up pretty nicely. Uh, I just want to make sure that, like, if I'm using that product, that I'm using it the best way possible. So, mm -hmm. all right, let's continue on here. Um, have you ever guys guys ever used honey on a wound? No, I read that also. Yeah, so I, I've seen it used quite a bit, and it actually it's manuka honey, and it's a medical grade honey. Um, there's one in the hospital that's used quite a bit called Medi Honey. Um, and it actually is a fantastic antimicrobial in my opinion as well. So, um, I think it's a, um, it's quite a good product. Um, and again, you need to make sure it's a medical grade, 
honey that has proven efficacy as being an antimicrobial. But um, yeah, it, it, it surprisingly is quite good. Right, so you get a lot of clinicians use use it and enjoy it and really like it as well. So that was Tanya Watson mentioned meta honey, um, and I think that's what you just said there was meta honey. So it's a it's made for that. And then also she mentioned using laser for uh, activating the healing of wounds. So have you guys used a laser for wound care at all? Uh, well, if you go to like the cosmetic world, they use lights and lasers to do that. So you can use the same thing, like practical applications on the wounds. And it does speed up the healing if you have the proper, if you know what you're doing with it, you can speed up the healing with a laser or light. Justin, experience with lasers? Yep, you see it used quite a bit in the dermatology space. I haven't seen it in the sports space or in the in the hospital space too much more in the outpatient dermatology stuff. All right. Um, so one of the other questions I had, or I saw a bunch of people mention, was skin integrity. Skin integrity. Have you guys had experience with that at all? No, I read that also. I was going to look it up, but I have not seen that product. Um, it's hard because I normally once I find a product, it's tough for me to go away from that that I've been using. But uh, I'm sure I'd have to look into it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure what it, what skin integrity is is just a hydrogel. So it's a medical grade hydrogel. So um, for active skin repair, the gel we're using a hydrogel hydrogel as well. We just have that we're able to stabilize the molecule hyperchlorous acid inside the hydrogel. So you're getting a hydrogel with hyperchlorous acid. So skin integrity um, seems to be just a hydrogel. Go ahead again. Again, a, a great alternative or a great product to, to help bring moisture to the wound. You get hydrogel used all the time. And again, a part of one of our products um, is a hydrogel. So there I had Melissa Harrington... Uh, Linda Torres Gregg, Carrie Ann Sear, all mentioning skin integrity. There maybe had some more, but just trying to uh, mention the people who kind of contributed to the conversation there. So Whitney Catalano said she one time grabbed a uh, isoquin instead of a wound wash. So that's definitely something, you know, isoquin is typically yellow, but I guess if you have it in a color bottle, you might not know, or you're trying to clean something quickly. So again, if you, one of the benefits of having something like uh, active skin repair is that it doesn't sting. It can be used for cleaning, for moisture, um, and it also does the all of the good and apparently none of the bad of these various products. And so if, if you don't want to have Whitney's experience of spraying something on there that really hurts and makes a kid jerk or sling that blood across the training room as they're shaking it off kind of thing, uh, then you can definitely check out active skin repair. So, um, then we have Tess. She said that she was working at a dog, um, a kennel, a wound thing, whatever it was. And so she'd been bit and she's used hydrogen peroxide successfully. But again, uh, that was, you know, a couple years ago and just may not have known any better, done anything different, but, um, Again, let me let me circle back to the letting a wound dry up. Justin, what do you feel like in the hospital that they're going to do for oh, uh, 
like an abrasion and then maybe laceration? How are they going to kind of treat those different? Yeah, well, um, you'll see a variant debate. I go to quite a bit of wound conferences on the professional side, and you, you actually see that debated quite a bit. Um, the standard of care, when you see a lot of products compared to what the current standard of care is, is wet to dry dressing. So um, that that's kind of been what has been accepted as a standard of care within the hospital space that you, again, depending on the severity, depending on the, if there's chronicity to the wound, um, you'll get a lot of varying opinions from the clinical side. So even the experts are still unclear on letting it dry out or one versus another. <clears throat> and so one of the big things that like Paul mentioned was getting a scab or letting a scab over. And so then those continue to rip and continue to bleed a lot. And so I really wanted to see if there is a best way, like if I keep it, you know, if I spray it off with water, we put that Vaseline on that, that stops the bleeding there. And so then we have them soap and water once they get to the locker room and then we spray that active on there and then keep it covered. Is that going to, give them the best chance of it healing without a scab without reopening because you know with any sport they're going to practice multiple times a week and um covering up the wound every single time or like you said do we, what are you any other thoughts there any other tips um like i had this happen yesterday um a female soccer player who fell on a training episode had a rock um and I didn't see it right away. It's been, this happened on, it was two days old and it was scabbing over, but infected. And I was able to just basically clean it with uh, the active spray. And, and just by spraying it on, you could see, I could just with a cotton tip, pull all the infection out and get it clean. And once I did that, then I'm just gonna let that keep airing out and let it go. And it was just within like two hours that I was with the patient. You can already see the difference in the, the wound and, you don't normally have to keep covering it unless there's another incident where it opens back up. So if you can get it just clean that one time and it's starting to scab, just leave it until there's an, another incident. I wouldn't cover a knee or an elbow or anything like that. Now, depending on the, the, the player, depending on the position and what they're doing, like if it's baseball and it'll be around dirt or something like that, then I'll cover up something if I need to. But for most athletes, I'll just leave it until there's another incident and have to deal with it. And Jeremy, I'm going to add to that. One of the good things about active skin repair or any non-toxic antimicrobial is you can use it continually, right? So when you're not killing those healthy cells, what you can do, um, and we see it a lot, especially on professional tours, is the the medical team will give the, the athlete the bottle. And that way it can stay. You don't have to cover up the wound, but they can continually spray it on there it helps reduce that, that risk of infection. But at the same time, every time you're spraying it on, you're not stalling that healing process, right? So you can continually spray, keep it clean um, without stalling that, that healing process. So I think that's a, a big benefit of any non-cytotoxic product. Yeah, now that Justin brings that up, um, all my the skateboarders I work with, they'll get big, huge cuts because their, their knee pads will slide or do something. They'll get a, a nice laceration or on an elbow. Well, those pads aren't the cleanest thing in the world. And uh, skateboarders aren't very compliant on how to take care of their own wounds. But giving them a spray bottle and something they can spray on, it's been very 
beneficial to them because I've gotten to get them away from infections and be able to just here spray this on. It'll clean it. They'll dab it. They'll let it scab up. But then they're not going to take a day off to let a scab heal. They're going to go every day. So it's like more of an ongoing process of just spraying it with the, the active and keeping it clean and letting it scab up because they're not going to cover it. They're never going to do anything other than maybe soap and water and then put on a spray that I say, you have to use this every time it's open. But just an easy spray, you can put it on any time. Like you said, it's not going to hurt anything. And, and we get used in the professional surf tour, um, on the professional surf tour, and you notice that a lot with the professional surfers because they're going back into the water. So they, they're not going to cover that up with some type of Band-Aid going back into the water, but with the high bacterial count in water. So they'll get out every time, have that bottle, spray it down, um, especially with the, the instance of reef cuts and, and chance of infection with that. All right, so we're going to kind of continue down the list of stuff I got here. Um, Bactine is something that Perry Denny, Audrey Stanley, Hillary Klein, Bamer, they also said that they keep that regularly. They, Perry said he's been using it since 1975. Uh, he's a very experienced, great resource. He was also EMT. Um, so, it, again, that may be something that, that works for immediate wound care, numbing the pain kind of thing. Uh, again, people talking about using... Vaseline instead of an antibiotic because it helps the wound heal and helps prevent some of that um, back, the resistant strains of bacteria. So, and actually, Jason Cruz said that the neomycin in triple antibiotic or neosporin has shown to reduce granulation and delay healing. Um, so definitely, what's something you want to consider? Look into, understand it for yourself. As an athletic trainer, why you're moving away from this product, not just because I said so or some random person on Facebook, but look into it. And Justin mentioned earlier, PubMed is a great way to look up the ingredients and kind of go from there, understanding what they do. Uh, Daniel Young mentioned oils. So using um, lavender oil for cuts, abrasions, or tea tree oil with lavender oil. Um, he says he uses that for him, his wife had a burn he had some cuts or kids had cuts so thoughts on using oils to help heal wounds uh for berms uh i there's a lot of burn products out there i don't use like the holistic approach with just lavender oils or anything like that so i haven't had that experience using that justin I've heard oil successfully used for scar, um, for scarring, scar reduction, where people feel that they, they work um, to help with scarring. The, you know, I think it's always nice to have products manufactured in controlled environments where you know that the product was tested to work in a certain way. So I think um, they can be great. You just have to be careful on and where they're produced in, in the and make sure that the efficacy is there that you would expect out of them. That's kind of my approach with oils too, is, you know, if they work fantastic, but you know, it's like the, like supplements, if it's not regulated, then it could be created in a tainted factory. And then your Olympic gold medal is now gone because you took the wrong supplement. So, all right. Uh, Shelby Jacobs said use zinc oxide, which is basically like diaper rash cream. So that helps keep the the wound covered and moist and one of the things that somebody said about vaseline i had a cut on the back of my leg it was actually when we were in las vegas so justin had just given me some samples of the active skin repair we were stepping out i was stepping out of a helicopter because i took my wife on a helicopter ride for her birthday because she was there with me in las vegas and i scraped the back of my knee on the ledge of that helicopter 
and uh, so I had this like two to three inch long cut on the back of my back of my legs. So I um, where was I going with this? What was that? What was that? I got lost. How, how, how you're treating the cut on your leg? Yeah, so I was, I was treating the the cut on the back of my leg with the skin repair, but um, with the active skin repair, and it was one of those things that just needed to be kept moist. Oh, that's what it was. And then I ended up going to one of those float tanks, and those are like salt water, and so I didn't cover up that wound in the back of my knee, and man, for like the 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is, that thing was just stinging and burning because of that salt getting in that cut. And so putting, I wish I'd paid attention to this before, or, you know, put that Vaseline on or put the hydrogel on before getting in that wound, uh, that float tank, because that really hurt. So, <laughs> all right. So Michelle Moe was talking about antibacterial products and Sherry Johnson again. She mentioned the monkey blood or the mercur, mercurochrome, which I don't think people really use anymore. But moving on to Israel Pena, he said that the NATA position statement it says that tap water is just as effective as the sterile or saline uh, washes. And so the tap water with soap is one of the best things. And again, kind of going along with, with what we've been saying, you know, soap and water is great. Get that. And then you can rinse it out with the active skin repair to, to help continue the healing rather than in uh, antibacterial type thing. So, all right. Uh, I covered most of what I had there on the Facebook comments. Um, so, Justin, tell us one more time, um, how does the active skin repair work? Yep. So, hypochlorous acid is actually the same molecule that your white blood cells produce. So, if you're to get cut, scraped, burned, any type of skin damage, your body's natural immune response is to send white blood cells to that injury. Inside those white blood cells are neutrophils, and the neutrophils produce hypochlorous acid. And it's your body's natural um, defense mechanism to fight off bacteria. And so what they figured out how to do was how to replicate that molecule that your white blood cells are producing. And they do that actually through an electrolyzation process of salt water. So you're using natural ingredients. Um, and it has the power to kill complex bacteria within 15 seconds of contact, um, but with none of the cytotoxicity to it like we've been talking about. So what's cool is it's natural ingredients. It actually has the same safety pro profile as saline solution. So it's safe to spray around your eyes, ears, mouth, um, sensitive areas. It's not gonna sting. Um, and it's, it's regenerative in, in the sense that it's using the same molecule that your bodies produce, um, just replicated through that electrolyzation of salt and water. Uh, the, the major advancements in hypochlorous acid over the last decade have been in the stabilization process. So being able to get it with a two-year shelf life in a highly stabilized pH level um, with no cytotoxicity but having that strong um, kill rate and be able to bottle it up and now be able to, to put it on a shelf for two years and know that the product's going to work the same at day one as it does at 190 days in. Um, and be able to have that mobility and able to easily throw it in a bag or bring it onto a field really makes that quite a unique um, product that, that a lot of people still just don't know about. So it's really just getting the awareness out there, letting people know that, yes, open water works, and um, there, but there's advancements to a lot of the antiseptics in, that 
we have historically known over time, but there's advancements that, that make them better. All right, Paul. Um... So I think walking away from this or after the conversation, I think every practitioner is, or anyone, a parent or anyone doing this is like, what do you walk away with this is, is what are you doing for your wound care? How do you treat them? Are, which, there, there's a lot of say is best practice open or closed, you know, dry or wet, but just evaluate what you're doing. And is there, is there a better way of doing it? So I, you hear about those people I've been using back teens in 75. Well, there might be a better products in 75 that's come out since then that you might want to look into. So I think it's just reevaluating how you're doing it, why you're doing it. What are you putting on the wound? Is it taking longer? Is it killing everything? Is there more scarring from it? Just reevaluating your position on what, how you're treating that. So soap and water, of course, easiest thing we can get our hands on, cheapest aspect you're going to do. But what else, what's better than that? Soap and water might be like, okay, that's good. But what can we do on top of that to really keep the wound clean, keep the infection rate down, and to help with scarring? So adding those three things onto the soap and water aspect, I think is where we really need to kind of get people looking into more than just Oh, I've used this product for 20 years. It's what I use. Getting getting the the practitioner to really think about why they're using a product, and is that product really helping that athlete or that patient to the best that we possibly can nowadays? Because things have changed over these last couple of years, and I've I've even changed my way of doing it over every two or three years. I found a product that's better than the one I used before that, one better before that. So I always keep my eyes open to seeing if there's a newer, better product out there that'll help my athletes stay on the field longer, not get infections. So always staying up to date, going to the conferences and finding the new product that's going to really benefit our athletes. All right. So this show is actually sponsored by BLDG Active, so the Active Skin Repair. So uh, when I met Justin, I, I said, this is something I really want to talk about is topicals and wound care. And they said, okay, well, let's going to do a show together. But he's also kind of partnered with um, – athletic training box. So Adam Larson has created athletic training box and it's a subscription box thing to where you can get different types of athletic training products that you would normally kind of hoard if you were going to an ATA convention and you just throw all these samples in your bag. And so it kind of has some stuff like that and some other different types of products through athletic training box and, uh, um, Active Skin Repair has been in that box a couple different times because I think it's a pretty popular item. So if you go to Athletic Training Box on Facebook, um, you can subscribe there and you can use the code Sports Medicine Broadcast to save, uh, I think it's 15% on your first order. And it'd be a great way to try out Active Skin Repair. So if you want to try it out, you can, you know, hook up with Adam Larson and Athletic Training Box or you can go to BLDGActive dot com and you can order some from there as well so paul if somebody wants to get a hold of you ask you some maybe some more questions your experience things like that off off air then how are they going to do that uh I, uh my website or use my email address uh you can even use my um paul dot savage at smusd.org it'll be my my school website so it should go through no problem um they can track me down through the high school or I can even get out my, you can call me directly or text me, 760-644-2420. That's my personal cell. If anyone has a question about any of the products or how I do stuff or experience I've done, I don't mind taking a call or a question. Um, I know we've talked a lot about actives today, but from all the products I've used over the last 15 years, it seems to be the best one that I found that 
we it's, it's our gold standard now so that's why i've been talking so highly about it but there are a lot of good products out there so it's basically finding a product that you like that you can get your hands on and use but uh i'm just i want the people to learn that there's better products out there than maybe a, a hydrogen peroxide or bactine or a, a steam thing that they've been using for 15 20 years like we need to get that that method of thinking out of the and get to the new age of what products are out there that can really benefit our athletes uh, very good. Justin, someone who's going to get a hold of you, maybe the best way to get their hands on some active skin repair? Yep. Um, email is best, and it's just Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, at bldgactive.com. Um, and feel free, if anybody wants to trial the product, um, to, to shoot me an email. We're always um, happy to, to provide a sample or two to give it a try and um, – work through you to make sure um, you have access in a cost-efficient way to getting the product. So you can email Justin, tell him, hey, I heard you on the sports medicine broadcast, and you said that, you know, you, I'd, you could give us a sample or two, and then, you know, that way he can get you out there, get your hands on it, uh, and check it out for yourself, using it with your athletes. Uh, I've, I kind of like it, and I like that I can spray it anywhere. So I had a, my son with the nosebleed, and I'd I was like, all right, well, let's try this. So I put some of the little gel up there, wiped it up his nose. And, and I was like, well, I mean, just said I could put it anywhere, so let's give it a shot. And the kids were like, yeah, yeah, let's just spray that stuff up there. Okay, all right, well, let's give it a shot. And it's better than them, like, being scared of um, me putting some on there. And so, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I've been trying my best to use it since I got it so I can have some real-world experience. I don't have anything negative to say. So... Uh, you can check out BLDG Active or just look for Active Skin Repair. Email Justin or Paul if you have questions specifically. Again, this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash wound care. Again, this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash wound care. So I'll have a lot of the, the notes, the products, the, the links, the things that we mentioned in the show notes. So you can check those out and also the ways to contact our guest today. So if you got any questions, for sure, email me or subscribe to Athletic Training Box. Get your hands on some uh, active skin repair or email Justin. Tell him uh, you want you heard us on the Sports Medicine Broadcast and you want to check it out. So for Jeremy, Paul, Savage, and Justin Gardner, and then Sophia and my supervisors that came in today, that is a wrap.